0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. The Lord has uh, timings. It is said of the tribe of Issachar, the sons of Issachar, knew the times and seasons. I've uh, had someone say over me and maybe you've had them say people say over you oh you have a spirit of Issachar which is to know the times and seasons you know the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing we need to be very aware and sensitive to God's leading and when he wants us to do something we have to move you got to move with the cloud everybody say move with the cloud you got to move with the cloud. You got to move by the column of fire. You got to move by the cloud. You got to be met, led by the spirit of God. I want to say, uh, as you're turning to Exodus 15, uh, to emphasize something that God does supernaturally for his people, which, which I'll call a preemptive. He does preemptive miracles. In other words, he already has a miracle for you. If you'll just stay true, He already has the miracle. He already has the breakthrough. He already has your needs already met if you'll just stay in the will of God. And sometimes when we don't see the breakthrough, we don't see where the provision is. We can get distracted and try to go find it and end up making an Ishmael. How many of you know that's not so good? Still have issues with that. Even though they are a covenant people, God is pouring out his spirit all over the world. So Exodus 15, a favorite passage of ours, you need to stay in sync with God. And many times when it's difficult, you can, well, you can get out of sync. And this is a very special time tonight. You say, why is that? Because it's the start of the the celebration of Purim. And I'm going to preach from the book of Esther here in just a moment, but I wanted to, in introduction, talk just a little bit about these miracles that take place that God has that you'll never see if you get out of sync, you get out of timing. And so in Exodus chapter 15, I'm going to put on my spectacles. This is another name for glasses. Verse 25, now, I've preached this numerous times here. It's a favorite passage of mine. Moses and Israel, they come through the Red Sea, Desert of Shur, this is verse 22. Three days he traveled in the desert without finding water. So three days, they're on an absolute fast, I guess. Three days, no water. In this case, uh, at the end of three days, they're certainly thirsty. And in fact, when you're in a desert, you're most likely dehydrated. I can imagine the babies are crying. I can imagine that people are very concerned. They see a body of water. They get very excited. Woohoo! look what the Lord had Right, there's water, except when they get there, it's poison. So it's like this incredible, yes, God is God. And they get there, and they're like, what the heck? He brought us out here to kill us. Has anybody ever felt that way? Don't raise your hand. Don't do it. And so great discouragement, no doubt. And so they grumbled, verse 24. So said, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out. Crying out is, uh, is prayer. It's another, way, it's another name for prayer. So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. So now let's just talk about that for a second. God, he showed him a piece of wood, and in the showing the piece of wood, in actual fact, it's not a piece of driftwood. It's by the side of the bitter water. That, that's not what it is. It really is a tree. You study this. You can see from the original language. It's translated, I believe, in the New King James. That's the New International 1984 version. It says a piece of wood. But it really appears to be a tree. And no matter how you study it, even if it is a piece of wood, how many of you know that the Lord had the miracle for him already there? let's say it's a tree. All right. I I believe it's a tree for a number of different reasons because it fits the type and shadow that takes place here. The he who hung on a tree became a curse for you and me so that we could be free. And it almost rhymes. And so when he cried out to the Lord, God showed him, everybody say he cried out. He cried out. God showed. So in other words, they're connected. So if, if you're going to see the breakthrough, if you're going to experience the breakthrough that God has for you, many times it'll be hidden from your eyes until you learn to cry out. How many of you know God had Pastor Gil and Rosie at a prayer meeting? He cried out? Yeah, and I'm not going to call you a tree, but he saw... He saw... I'm not saying that either. He saw... He saw Rosie. There's miracles when you begin to cry out. You can go into into the book of Judges. Every time they cried out, God raised up a deliverer. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Everybody say cry out. out. So in this instance, I mean, I've got a tree in my yard. It grows really slowly. Is that Alaska? I'm not sure what it is. But it takes a long time for a tree to become a tree. Because before that, it's just like a, I don't know, what would it, a sapling? Is that what it would be? It became a tree. And when he cried out, God showed him a tree. That tree had to be spared from camels stepping on it. That tree had to make it through drought. It had that tree, I mean, that tree had to make it through, I, I don't know, how, how old is, how long is a tree? I didn't do a study on how old the tree was. I don't know if we could even figure that out, what kind of a tree it is. I suppose we could, you can really dig into things and look to see perhaps what kind of tree it is. But the point is, it was a tree that grew up that God had it there, ready for the miracle that was hidden until he cried out. I think about 1 Samuel and uh, Hannah who was tormented by her rival this Samuel chapter 1 and they would go year after year to offer sacrifices but she had no children and she was so so upset, so bitter and and discouraged she cried out and she's accused by her her pastor of being drunk and that would be uh, what's his name? Eli Eli who didn't who didn't raise his children right and ended up losing everything, fell over and broke his neck over eight and had all kinds of issues or a thyroid problem, it's hard to say. It's hysterical. I'm serious, like maybe you didn't catch that. Eli died because he fell over and broke his neck in despair when the Ark of the Covenant was captured and the prophetic word over him and his family came to pass and the grandson is born and they call him Ichabod Wow. Back to Hannah. She cried out that the pressure, the pressure of no children, the pressure of no heirs, the pressure of no son, the pressure of being barren disturbed her to the point where she cried out to the Lord and God showed her a piece of wood. I'm tying it together. Cried out to God and God gave her a promise. And she ended up in the revolution of days, if you go and study this, it's not that she went home and, and was with her husband and then she got pregnant. The picture is really in the process of time. See, some of you get a word from the Lord and you think it didn't happen, you know, this week, so that it must not be from God. Man, you have to contend sometimes. You have to fast. You got to pray. You got to do your part. How many of you know they had to do their part? And so there's these timings and these preemptive miracles that God does. And one of the greatest ones to me is found in the book of Esther. And so stand up on your feet, please. Take your Bibles. Turn to Esther chapter 3. And I'm going to take Esther 3 and verse 8. And then we'll go to Esther four and verse 12. And I'm gonna preach this message in your hearing, entitled, The God of the Preemptive Strike. The God of the Preemptive Strike. He knows exactly how to bring you through to the other side and do miracles. Can you say amen? Amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? New International Version Esther chapter three, verse eight, then Haman said to King Xerxes, there's a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom who call, who keep themselves separate. Hmm. Their customs are different from those of other people and they do not obey the king's laws. Man, that could be like written about us. It is not of the king's best interest to tolerate them. If it pleases the king, let a decree be issued to destroy them, and I will give 10,000 talents of silver. Okay, let me just stop. Does anybody have any idea how much that is? Three hundred I, I figured it out. Three hundred and seventy-five tons of silver. At $26 in change per ounce today, 300, to go do the math, 375 tons of silver is what he's going to give. Guy had some cash. 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators. I will give, he says, 10,000 talents of silver to the king's administrators for the royal treasury. It sounds like some corrupt people that support politics today. (laughs) 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 Soros. Did I say that? It's clearing my throat. So the king took his signet ring from his finger and he gave it to Haman, the son of, I can't pronounce that, the Agite, Agagite, King of the Jews, verse 11, keep the money. Wow. The king said to Haman, and do it to people as you please. Go to, go to chapter four. Is it hot in here? Yes. Okay. Can we, usher open up these doors? And then since you guys are carrying, we won't worry about that. That's also hysterical. Are you guys okay tonight? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Chapter four, verse 12. Then the words were reported to Mordecai and he sent back this answer, quote, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position?" for such a time as this. Let's all read that last verse 14b. And who knows but that you have come through your royal position for such a time as this. And verse 15, and Esther sent the reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days. There's an absolute fast right there. Night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. If I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Father, thank you so much for the grace of God upon us tonight. Holy Spirit come, help me Lord to preach and to teach that which you've instructed me to preach and teach on this night, March 16th, 2022. May we forever be changed as we find our place in history, as we take our place on the wall, as we do what you've called us to do, as we cry out and you do miracles. Thank you, not only for us, for your church, but also for your people, Israel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. King Xerxes uh, is the son of Darius who was a king during Haggai and Zachariah's prophecies. Darius rose to power after the son Cyrus. How many of you heard of Cyrus before? I've preached on it, probably preach on it again. He's mentioned in history by... Herodotus, the Greek historian, they wrote of him. Here's what they said of Xerxes. He was capricious, sensual, cool, and despotic. That's not very nice, but apparently that's who he is. In an archaeological dig was found the inscription, I am King Xerxes, the great king, the only king, the king of all the countries and languages, the king of the far-reaching earth. What I think is hysterical about that. Is he's dead. <laughs> Do you find that funny? He writes this like, I am the man. Yeah, you're dead now. Right. <laughs> the man is dead. The great king is dust. 485, 465 BC. What we're reading here in the book of Esther is a historical event. This took place. And The book of Esther is a story behind the festival of Purim which as I said, starts in Alaska now as the sun goes down and it's all day tomorrow until the sun goes down. And it is a moment in time that I, um, I feel very um, sobered in my spirit about the hour that we're in. We're on the brink of World War III there's more that's happening than any of us could possibly know. Corruption is steeped in our, in our offices at the highest level, I believe. That's what I believe. And not only in our government. It seems like every government. And yet God has placed you and me in this time in history to cry out that he might show us a tree also. I I didn't tie that all together, but he who hangs on a tree in Galatians, that tree in Genesis, uh, Exodus 15 points to the type and shadow of Jesus who hung on a tree for you and me. He became a curse. He took all of sin and sickness and disease upon himself on a cross. Can somebody say yes? yes? How many of you believe that? Say amen. And so in this text and this hour tonight, as we start Purim, you say, well, I don't celebrate no Purim. Okay. You might not, but Jews all over the world do. And uh, I am not a Jew. I'm a Christian and I might have Jewish roots, but they didn't come out in my spit test that I sent to, you know, ancestry.com or whatever. And yet I guess you can pull from different you know, depends, it depends on where you pull from your genetic test or whatever. But anyway, I'm grafted in. You might as well be a Jew. I might as well. I've been grafted in by the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Which is so very important. So this book, Esther is a historical, it's a, it's a story of the festival of Purim and how God saved a massive genocide And I'm telling you, God is going to move in the earth in the days and the weeks and the months ahead in ways that we can't imagine, but not if we don't take our place and not if we don't cry out. And he said, well, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. Well, then you and your house might not make it. Mordecai said, if you don't do something, honey, And you you and your house are perished, or God will raise up and deliver another way. There's conditional and unconditional prophecy. Everybody say conditional and unconditional. Unconditional. Okay, conditional prophecy is... Uh, conditional prophecy. You get a prophetic word. Uh, You're going to go to uh, New Zealand and start a movement amongst the tribal people there, have a great revival. God will pour out his spirit and then, you know, on and on and on and on. That's conditional because you can never pack your bags, live like a dog and never enter into the blessing and all that God has for you and take steps of faith. And then New Zealand will not receive the next Uh, you know, move of God that he had planned to do through you. But guess what God will do? He'll raise somebody else up. That's conditional prophecy. All of us, all of us have, I believe, prophetic words. And if you haven't, then, then you can get one tonight. You can get one by reading the word. Our beloved sister, is it Danielle? Very simple prophetic word. But you could, you could tonight step up, say goodbye, walk out, never come back, never serve God, go turn and embrace darkness. And that, that promise of comfort and leading and guiding and blessing doesn't come about. It's not just automatic. It's, it's conditional. Someone say it's conditional. Then there's unconditional prophecy. Unconditional prophecy is like, it's, it's called the imminent return of Christ. It's He's coming back. We live between these two tensions of the, the first advent and the second advent. He's going to return. Between his return is the rapture. That's unconditional. In other words, he's going to rapture his church. He's going he's to return. So you could serve hell all of your life. He's still coming back. It's unconditional. However, in the midst of that, we find also that the New Testament says we can quicken his return. Or hasten his return. So, what we do in these next weeks, and even over these next twenty-four hours, I believe, are important. It's time to pray. It's time to fast. You heard that Russia is trying to take. I I think it was just a flippant term. Did anybody read that? We want Alaska back. And I, and I have to tell you that in these days as I'm praying, I can't get away from my dream. I can't get away from the dream. What dream? I'm going to tell you. It's going to freak you out. When I had it in the summer at our fishing trip, I was wrecked for like 24 hours. I'm thinking, oh my, it changed my life. And there has not been a week that's gone by. And many day after day, I've thought about it. And I've shared it here. And I started this series, which I'm in the midst of, except I don't get to preach the next part of the series until the Lord gives me the next piece of it and then tells me I can preach it. So I'm in a series called The End is the Beginning. And I think we have two messages in the end, maybe three installed in that. It's not done. When are you going to finish it? When he tells me to. I'm I'm in the midst of a series of dreams. Are you serious, Pastor Daniel? Yeah, totally. And in the dream, somebody heard the dream. Raise your hand. In the dream, I'm standing in the earth, and that sounds kind of dramatic, but I don't know how else to describe it. I can see the curvature of the earth, and I can see all of humanity, a sea of people, a sea of people, and I know in my heart that it's over. I know in my heart that it's the end, and in that moment, I, I laid hands on myself, and I checked, and my Lord, I just checked to see if I have any sin real quick. Some of you ought to do that right now. Just, you know, Lord, am I okay? And he was like, no, you're not. You were a jerk today. You need to repent. You're like, oh, Lord, sorry. And he showed me something which is personal. Showed me something I had to do. And I've actually not been able to complete that just yet. It's been a little challenging. I have to find somebody. And they've been hard to find. I'm going to double my efforts on that. Lord, help me do that. Would you help me finish that? I'll probably get the rest of the dream when I finish it. I come, out of that, I come out of that encounter having obeyed what he told me to do. It's in a moment, and then from the east, and somebody said, how do you know it's the east? And I said, it's my dream. You can figure out your dreams. I know it's my dream. I know where east was in my dream. I can't tell you where it is right now, but in my dream, I knew it was from the east. <laughs> and I saw this bright, burning light, and all of humanity was gone. We were gone. I was in heaven. As we're in this season now, I can't help but think about the potential of of nuclear war. I can't can't help but think about that. And I pray against it. So you afraid of dying? Not remotely. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of COVID either. I just want to do something. I feel like I just started. Did anybody feel like you just started? I want to do something for the Lord. And I feel like, man, I just got going. It's 20 something years, but I still feel like a teenager in the spirit. Sometimes I act like it. I want to do something. I'm not done. I want to make a mark. I want to reach the lost. I'm burdened for souls. I'm burdened to see this community come to Christ. I'm burdened to see God pour out his spirit. I got a stack of eight-track tapes, cassette tapes, CDs, and MP3s of all the prophetic words. I didn't really have eight-track tapes. We weren't recording, was it? Prior to me being saved. I have prophetic words that God's spoken to me that I long to see fulfilled like, Jesus, help! There's too many people headed to hell. So the book of Esther is this incredible moment where God saved his people in a completely flipped the script and intervened so supernaturally that it is beyond beyond your imagination I I don't know what you're facing tonight I don't know what you're going through but I'm telling you in one day he can bring a Joseph from the dungeon to second in command in one day Come on, in one day, he he made the earth and everything in it in six. He can fix your problem in like 30 seconds. In one day, he can change everything. He can clear the slate. He can empower you. He can release 375 tons of silver to you. God can do it. Come on, somebody say that's right. All right. Let's fill in some of the blanks to, to bring us. Some understanding of the story. Queen Vashti was called on by Xerxes to bring a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something, and she wouldn't do it. It's it's very funny if you have kids and Veggie Tales, but <laughs> be that as it may, she would not come, and uh, so she's fired. And uh, they begin to look for a replacement, and they get all of these potential replacements. And Esther, a Jewess, is made queen. She's more beautiful than everybody else. She stands, you know, just just shined. Who do you think think makes beauty? The Lord. The Lord made her that way so that he would be attracted to her so that she could save all the people because he knew what was happening. There's a tree growing. And she uh, goes through, I think it's six months of beauty treatments, and all the ladies said, that's right. And there's Haman, this prime minister, and he resented Mordecai. And he resented Mordecai because Mordecai was a Jew, and he wouldn't bow down to him. He wouldn't bow because he served the Lord. He served God Almighty, so he wouldn't bow down. And he had his ego wounded by him. And so he's like, you know what? I'll fix you. i got some power, and i got 375 talents of silver. I've got power. I've got the ear of the king. I think I'll just kill you and all your people. I just try that. Bade you by, Bow down next time. You know, you got to be careful you start messing with God's people. You mess with God's people, you're going to get messed. God intervenes. And instead of Haman, instead Haman and his sons are killed and the Jews are saved and Mordecai becomes a prime minister. How is that for a turnaround? Very simple. If you're taking notes, the ultimate Haman's name is Satan. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I will tell you absolutely the Haman spirit is alive and well, trying to take out Israel, operating through Iraq and others. And there's a lot of different ways to say that. But Satan has always attempted to kill the Jews. Would you like to know why Satan has always attempted to kill the Jews? I will tell you why. The reason that there has been an ongoing assignment to wipe out Israel and to wipe out Jews is one main reason and one main reason only. Would you like to know what it is? That if the Jews could be wiped out, then Satan would have proved that God doesn't exist because the covenant to Israel and to his people is a forever covenant. He will bring it to pass. And so if, if they could be completely wiped out, then God's a liar and he doesn't exist. And the book you hold in your hand is irrelevant, but just guess what? Psalm 125 is the mountains surround Jerusalem. So God surrounds his people both now and forevermore. And you will never see Israel blown off the map and you will never see Jews wiped out. Hitler tried. He couldn't do it. Now Hitler's dead. And God's people will, God's people are protected supernaturally. So they don't, they don't all know Jesus. We could get into dual covenant and talk about all of that. And I will actually, not tonight. How many of you know what dual covenant is? All right, two people. Go study. Go study. You know, the discipline of study will really help you. Some of you don't study, so you don't get in the word. And then you wonder why you have no power, no intimacy with God. You got to have prayer, but you have to study to to show yourself approved. Can you prove to me? I might. I might. I might. I might preach and just change my whole message and start preach on this right now. Cause I'll tell you, the church is mostly biblically illiterate. They don't know. They don't know who they are. They don't know who Jesus is. They put Jesus with, uh, with Allah. And, uh, yeah, that's just God. No Jesus and Allah that our heavenly father and Allah are not the same. And if you don't understand the word, then you will, you will, you will, you'll settle for a lie. You have to know the word. Why do you think we have so many programs and classes and life groups and teams? Why do you think we have church 100 times a week? Why? Because we love God. And I realize that it, somebody said, well, Wednesday nights are no more. You never not have any more Wednesday nights. If we didn't have a Wednesday night, you wouldn't learn the word dual covenant and try to look into what that actually means. Hey. You've got to study. You've got to know the Word. You've got to internalize the Word. Psalm 119, I've hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I I would present to you that the only Word that you really know is that which you've memorized. When it's hard to thumb through your Bible with all the indexes and everything and find that Scripture to push the enemy back in the midst of the fray, in the midst of the battle, you've got to know the Word. Man, come on somebody, say amen. Amen. So Satan is still at work trying to destroy the Jews. And this nonsense with this nuclear deal, we need to pray, man. I'm just telling you, we need to pray. The first thing that, that uh, they want to do is basically wipe out Israel. They've said it. And yet somehow, let's pray right now. Father, intervene at the highest levels. Lord, remove people. Would you, would you just remove people that need to be removed? And Lord, intervene. We don't wish death on anybody. Nevertheless, change them and remove them so that your plan and will can be brought about. In the name of Jesus, we pray the blessing of God over Israel, even on this night of Purim. I bind terrorist attacks. I come against that Haman spirit. They would love to just manifest even over the next 24 hours. We command you to be silenced in Jesus. You be hung on your own gallows. In the name of Jesus. Please understand, I'm not speaking to people. I'm speaking to a spirit that operates behind people. People are not the problem. It's the devil in them that is. That's a quote from a movie line, I think. I don't not trust people. It's the devil in them that I don't trust. (laughs) Satan wants to destroy us for the same reasons. He hates you. He hates me. And He wants to destroy us from within and from without. How does he destroy you from within by getting you to believe a lie, by getting you to swallow a lie, by allowing you to live uh, with a stronghold. I've said it so many times. A stronghold is a mindset, a set way of thinking that's contrary to truth. So you believe a certain way about yourself. Listen, I've just had one broken. It's really kind of miraculous. Can I tell you? I mean, I've been serving God for I don't know how long you ask my mother or my wife and she'll tell you, they'll tell you. It's 27, they're almost 30 years, 30 years. First came in the church in 1992. And I had a stronghold up until, up until I, mean, I think I'm actually just realizing it now that it's broken. He so said, what is that? Um, over my mind and my, thing, and my way of learning. I, I was diagnosed with all kinds of stuff when I was in school, got left back in second grade. They, just, they put all kinds of labels on me. And, and, and there was all kinds of evidence to back it up. Man, I'm getting touched by the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Listen, I don't care if they diagnose you with ADHD. It doesn't matter what they diagnose you with. Go read the real diagnosis from the one who's the author and the perfecter and the finisher of your faith. Don't embrace some curse over your life. Oh, uh, They said... uh, Who cares if you got a chemical imbalance? You can get healed. So many Prozac milkshakes and... Lithium drinks and my God. Two shots of espresso, fix that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So for me, in my mind, it's been very challenging to learn in different things. And as I've gotten older, it's been almost like a man who's deaf or a man who's blind. I have the most unique ways of getting around certain things that are made just normal for other people. I have unique ways of making my way through. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so as I've gone back to university, I'm getting straight A's. Now I'm just, ask my mother. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. You say, how is that possible? I don't know other than I'm doing the best I can. Actually, I could work harder. Yeah, you know, that's right. Some of you in your marriages are not going so well, and you're like, I'm doing the best I can. No, you're not. Have you resisted yet to the point of shedding blood, sir? Ma'am. So as the scales were lifted off of my eyes and by a command of the Lord to do what I'm doing to finish my degree, I mean, they even, I had to just correct my language just now. I almost said to try to finish my degree. Do you, you, you hear me? I, I correct it. it. Didn't come out of my mouth just then. And I canceled that to finish my degree. There's always been this thing that, you know, you can only go so far. You can't, you know, you can't become a doctor. You can't get your doctorate. You get, you know, you get some other things, you know, What? It's a lie. It's a lie. So what are you saying? I don't know. Enjoy it as an isolated whole. Just lift your hands to Jesus all across. I don't know how we tie that back into Esther, but. Oh, I got it. The enemy, if you, can, if you swallow a lie and you think yourself to be stupid or not intelligent, and you embrace that thing, then you'll act stupid your whole life. If you think yourself to be in bondage, and that's just the way it is, my father had an anger problem, I have an anger problem, all my little kids have anger problems, it's just, what? Yeah, yeah it's generational, generational lust, I just can't, you know, my father was a pornographer, I struggle with the poor. How about break the curse, man? How about break that thing? You don't need to be multiple generations on welfare. You can get a job. You can change. You can write the front of the check and not just the backs. You can think creatively. You've got. Come on, you. God's got miracles for you that if you never embrace them, you'll never move ahead. And so the enemy gets us. A, I could have gotten my degree. I could become a doctor like three times already, but I didn't have faith. And I was lazy, I think, is the other side of it. It wasn't easy for me to just go at it. I don't think it was easy for Esther either. And if you think that Jesus came to save you so you could have an easy life, I have news for you. Talk to the Apostle Paul. That's, that's, that's a false gospel. The apostle Paul was so trusted by God that he was put on a ship called Andromeda that sank. And in its sinking, God protected him and 376 souls, if I have that right, in the book of Acts. He trusted him enough to get a word from the Lord, to hear from him. And the angel to give him instructions. Can God trust you like that? You know, there is suffering that you have to go through at times, and I don't like it, but I sure like what it does for my faith. I sure... I sure I, I'm just made for the fight. I don't know why it is. But there's certain things I didn't want to jump in after and fight because I didn't have faith for it. I'm just talking about me. What about you? Esther was willing to jump in. You know, God's in control. And he attacks from within, but he also attacks from without. Esther was in the right place at the right time born for such a time as this. You know, I distinctly know that I've been born for such a time as this in my spirit. I know it, but I also read it in the word. I mean, it just makes sense. God's sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants to, whoever he wants to. He puts people in time he's outside of time. You're in time and he's placed you to be here exactly on time. He's an on time God in the fullness of time. God sent his son into the earth, right when the road systems for Rome were developed, that the gospel could spread the way it did. You think about Jesus coming during the stone age. You wouldn't be reading anything about him. It was perfectly timed so that it would spread the good news of Jesus, his resurrection. God gave Mordecai this perfect timing to overhear, to overhear this assassination attempt. You can read this Esther chapter 2. See, we read these things and we don't like, wow, what a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. I remember we first moved here, it was 15 years ago. We were in Eagle River and we went to go eat at some diner uh, right there by the gas station. I don't know if it's still there. I've never eaten there since that I can recall, (laughs) honestly. We go, we sit down. I'm with Pastor Karen and our two little babies. As we walk in, there's a Catholic priest, a Russian Orthodox priest, and uh, another Orthodox piece or might have been, could have been Greek maybe I don't know but there's these three priests all sitting there in their, in their priestly uh, garments and as we walk in as we walk in I'm like that's unusual because I, I know what the Catholic guy looks like I'm pretty sure I know what a Russian Orthodox looks like and I, there was another Orthodox and I found out later that it was Greek Orthodox so uh, you can sit wherever you want oh okay we, I, we sat right next to them Pastor Karen's like, where do you want to sit? I'm oh, on right here. <laughs> They're like, right here. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I sat there and I listened to the conversation of these three priests. And they, this is the conversation I hear. We're losing our youth. What do you think we should do? And they say, Well, I don't, we don't know. Maybe we need to change the liturgy. I'm thinking, yes. <laughs> I listened. I listened. I was so rude to my family, but all I could hear, I was like sitting at their table. My ear was broken. I wanted to hear, what could you possibly be saying? And I, at earlier times in my walk, I'd ask them, so um, how, do you, how do you go to heaven? I've done things like that. Can you tell me how I get rid of my sin? <laughs> Duh. Just to see what they'd say so I could discuss it. In this case, I just listened. And it, was, it, it, it put a burden on me. It put a burden on me for this, for youth and for this whole generation. I just said, oh my gosh, we have to have a revival. It was just one of those things where like, God, we have to have a revival. It put something on me. Do you think it was an accident that I sat next to the three? No, it was an accident. It was no accident either that Mordecai is there. And in listening to the happens to just so happen to hear about the assassination attempt so that he could be faithful and loyal to the king. And be written in a history book that later on would be recorded at the, and then read at the exact same time that it needed to be read so that he could be elevated, so that the, so this genocide could be exposed. God's got positioning for you. You're, come on, come on, you're, not, you're in the right place at the right time, say it. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Does anybody have some right? Come on, are your footsteps ordered by the Lord? If you are, if you're walking with God, if you're walking with Him, you're serving Him, you're loving Him. I'm convinced I've missed moments because I I was at like the sin of irritation. It's irritated, miss things. God's got divine appointments that went right by you because you're in an argument with your wife, and you should have been serving, or you're arguing with your husband, or arguing with your kids, or you you just were looking at reels too long. So this drama plays out. If you're going to see God do amazing things in your life, you're going to have to be willing to risk it all. Let me say that again. If you're going to see God do anything in your life, you're going to have to be willing at times to risk it. When vision comes, you embrace that. You have to be willing to risk it all. had the opportunity to go to school. I took the opportunity. And I'm going to just tell you, I was a little bit nervous. I didn't talk about it much. I prayed. What if I fail? What if I fail? Oh my gosh, how embarrassing. How would that be? These people know Dr. Morocco. They, they know me. Lord, I don't want to let you down. Lord, ah, let's just not go to school. Maybe we'll just delay that. I did. I delayed for three years, three years of disobedience. Right. Yeah, but the Lord's merciful. Amen. And he made it so clear that like, dude, you better do it now. Son, I have something for you in the future if you do it. That's the word I had. I'm like, whatever. I want everything he has for me. Don't you want everything he has for you? Okay, so, you know, what's risk? It's really just my ego, but I didn't want to let the Lord down, and I didn't want to be embarrassed, and I don't want to go to school. and fail. What if I failed out? What if you get straight A's and a 4.0 and get a scholarship somewhere else? What, what, What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? work so hard. If you're going to be successful in God, you're going to have to risk it all. We overcome the devil by the blood. I'm preaching better than you're amening. We overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and loving our lives. Not so much as to shrink from death, revelation 12, 11. And if you're in your timidity, you back off, you will never fulfill what God has. It's an act of violence to get up and come to morning prayer. You know you don't want to do it. You're tired. Acid stomach from overeating pizza the night before. If I perish, I perish. I want you to say that. If I perish, I will tell you it is exhilarating to be doing something that you could die for God for. It's something, something that just makes me happy about that. Anybody else? You're like, no, you're weird. I am designed by the Lord like that just to charge. And you know, without that, you'll never see, you'll never see dreams. You'll never see the vision that God has for you come about. You have to be willing to risk it all. Talking with Dr. Morocco, uh, over the me- recent months, he referred to a conversation he had with, I believe it's Shuler. Is it Charles Schuler? Robert, thank you. Robert Schuler, uh, who built the Crystal Cathedral. Now his son took over the work. Eventually, I don't know all the history of that. The Catholic Church bought the Crystal Cathedral. How many of you know? Think it's, in, it's in Glendale, I think, Southern California. Anybody heard about what I'm talking about? Right? It's the most incredible building, and uh, they tried to buy it back, but the Catholics won't give it back to him. And actually, the, the his son is now leading this powerful work. And Dr. Morocco just met him, and. Uh, he was talking with me about Robert Schuller, and now I think Robert Schuller's gone on to be with the Lord. But Robert Schuller was talking to a bunch of uh, leaders of megachurches in America and internationally in this conference are we at. And Robert Schuller said an amazing thing. He said, "When you endeavor to do something great for God, and then you get to this place where you've had breakthrough and you've you've you see some fulfillment." It's a real trap of the enemy just to rest because you feel like you made it. That's what I love about our senior global pastor. There's no rest in him other than the rest of Christ. He is driven, driven, 12, 70 something years old. And we've got over 500 churches, one church in many locations, 70, so 72, I think. And he could easily retire. A lot of pastors, listen, I'm, you, I'm never gonna retire. I will you. are stuck with me. I'm staying you're like, amen. Be looking like a raisin. I don't know if you know the passing the baton, but if you don't have a successor, you're not a success. You have to raise up people and God's going to raise up people. There'll be some younger buck preaching. Maybe it'll be my son. Maybe it'll be somebody that God's going to raise up here. And, but I'm not going to ride off into the sunset. I, real Pentecostal, spirit-filled, on-fire preachers, they don't ever retire. I'm just my opinion. It's my opinion. I'm not ever retiring. But you can hold on to that thing and then, and then kill a the whole movement. So you need to raise up a whole generation that takes over. I, listen, the reason we, one of the reasons we built our building, want to know why? You want to know why? It's not because we needed some cute building, we need the space, but you know why we did what we did? Because we're here for generations till the Lord comes. I'm telling you, the, the Posonis have five generations, five generations in this church. How many of you know that's the way it should be? So he said to Dr. Morocco, you gotta be careful to rest. There's, there's no not to, not to rest on your laurels because you lose the cutting edge of faith. And I will tell you, it is an amazing thing to be under the, the covering of the apostolic covering of this house, planting churches all over the world with with Dr. Morocco at 72, pushing to hit 1200 churches like he could just chill and relax and stay at home and write books. It's not what he's doing. He's writing books. He's pushing. Come on, somebody say Hallelujah. hallelujah you got to be willing to risk it all. And if you get to the place where you're afraid of risking it all, you better just give that and get going. This is a test. Listen, who gave you the all? Oh, I, oh, 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 I got to say this. What you're walking in right now, let's say you're walking in great blessing. As a church at Kings Alaska, we're walking in great blessing. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's amazing. We have no promise that this would continue if we don't continue to obey. If you don't continue to obey, there's no saying that God would take his hand off what he's doing now. You think that what we're walking is something that's guaranteed? Oh no, oh no, 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 no. You have to continue to do what God called you to do and there's times where you gotta like, push it all to the middle of the table. It's a gambling term, which is sin, and I don't gamble, but I like the term. Just bet the farm. Don't bet either, that's bad also. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Pull us your chips, I don't have no chips. I ain't going to the one-armed bandit either. <laughs> Where'd you get that? Chapter 4, verse 16, if I perish, I perish. It's also fascinating to me that they fast and pray and there is an Esther fast, which is three days. Absolute, never done that. I'm not doing it uh, currently. I may do it in the future, but I'm, I have no I'd love to tell you, tonight I start an Esther fast, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> I am fasting of sorts, but I'm not doing an absolute fast. Uh, maybe Pastor Gill and Minister Rosie will take care of that for us. You won't do it absolute fast. <laughs> They'll be fasting for all of us. Hey God, that's, uh, excuse sad but it's, that's an Esther fast, absolute fast. And listen, don't just get crazy on me and go do an absolute fast. You better make sure you can do it, you know, health wise, but it's a picture of being totally dependent on God. There's times of great pushing. There's times of great determination. And as a result, there's times of great outcome. And I will tell you, I'm telling you now, I was at the building today. I walked through the building. I was there early this morning Drywallers working at fever pitch, the sanctuary is almost done being drywalled. I walk through the hallways, and honestly, I can tell you, in all of my fifty five years i didn 't see too much when I was younger, but after that saw a lot of construction. I have never seen drywall mud and work as excellent as it 's in our church. I can tell you, I have never seen beautiful walls like that except in a museum maybe or or you know a real upper upper house. It is absolutely amazing. I have a picture on my phone sent to me by Pastor Daniel Rice, who was just here, who was visiting, and he took a picture of the drywall guy, uh, three quarters of the way up on the wall, diligently doing the tape and mud. Nobody's ever going to see that, except God. And it's done like that. The whole place. I walked around and I. I honestly couldn't believe it. Does anybody see smooth wall like that? I honestly couldn't believe it. I got, I started looking at the light, and I ran my hand against the wall, and I'm I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find defects, and I couldn't find them. They got this new way of spraying mud and doing this whole thing. It's crazy. And then it's being painted. We're close. We're very, very close the windows. I don't think they're on site just yet. Where's David? I saw him somewhere. David wave wildly. If you're here, I saw you earlier. I don't think the windows are on site just yet, but I believe they've arrived in Anchorage, 70,000 pounds of glass. So I'm telling you right now, the enemy's nervous and I'm not stupid. It's time to fast and pray and press through. I know some of you are like, you're not. No, I'm not. I might have fallen off a turnip truck, Pastor Karen, but it wasn't yesterday. It's time to press. Uh, I'm calling you to fast and pray. If you're not doing it already, do, would you? Would you give up a meal or this or that or just? Would you take some extra time to pray? Why? Because there's a lot riding on the line, and if you think we're just going to whistle Dixie and just walk right in, you're totally mistaken. Whistle- whistling Dixie's not all that good these days. Hello. It's not just going to be some cakewalk. And you know, you never know. It can be, you, but you, you, you partner and you set your heart to say, man, whatever it takes, we're going in. Amen. Come on, somebody say we're going in. And, and that's a picture, the building and all that, but it's a picture of finishing your walk with God. It's a picture of doing everything he called you to do. If he told you to go back to school, do it. If he told you to be a life group leader, do it. If he told you to get involved in worship team, do it. If he told you to start serving with children, do it. If he told you to take the step of faith and business, do your due diligence, get educated, and do it for the God's sake. It's time. If you got a song, it's time to sing it. If you got a gift, it's time to use it. It's time to do something for the glory of God. And if you don't, then you're going to, God will just give it to somebody else. What if I don't make it? What if you do? Doubt your doubts. Tell yourself to shut up. I want you to go to chapter nine of the same book, Esther nine keys, please. You know, these midweek services are so important because it just gives us a shot right in the middle of the week. You can do it. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, You can do it. Come on, say, Through Jesus, you can do it. Say it. Esther 9, verse 20. So, you all know what happened is the plan to kill all the Jews was exposed. And that wicked demonized man hung on his own gallows and God's people were delivered once again. Esther 9, verse 20. Mordecai recorded these events and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout all the provinces of King Xerxes because he's now in charge. I said he's now in charge. He's <laughs> near and far, verse 21. To have them celebrate annually the 14th and the 15th days of the month of Adar. That is today and tomorrow. Purim. That's today. Verse 22. As the time when Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned to joy, and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days as days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. Let me break this down to three simple points in closing. Celebrate over the next 24 hours. Fast? No, I didn't say fast. Party. I'm going to dinner tonight. We're going to go to dinner tonight. All right, we're going out. We're going to celebrate. Why? Because we're moving in. And uh, yeah, we, we're going to finish it, but we're going to celebrate. That's a prophetic act of celebration. It'll be, You know what? It's going to be so beautiful. If I, I, On that first service, I'm gonna be, I think I'm going to be piled up weeping up front. I think I'll just be crying. It's such a miracle. It's such an incredible miracle. Some of you haven't seen what it looks like inside, but soon. Soon. We're just months away. We have some big decisions regarding... Uh, the sanctuary floor. Would you be praying for that? It got, um, it got significantly damaged and we have to fix it from that free, the freezing event, but God's helping us. Can you say amen? So I'm going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate over the next 24 hours. And then I'm going to get back to fasting and seeking the Lord and praying and walking this thing through. And do you know, Jews all over the world are celebrating these next 24 hours. That's what they're doing. Three simple points. Celebrate what God's done. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska Podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you.